it's important just to point your compass towards joy. And play like you, be like you, and don't overthink it. I know what you mean. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you have your podcast watch on? I do not. I do not have my... <laughs> you freaking little Apple Watch. I tell bastard. you what, mate. I, I was in such a huff this morning because I couldn't find my Apple Watch. And I was like, I need it. I need it for steps. I need it for the workout. I just need it. And then um, and then I've... You need it for the social media post to exactly, prove that you worked mate. out today. I tell you what, like, I don't know what I would do. So I'm going to work out after this. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the Apple Watch on my on my wrist it's so weird mate it's so weird if it probably would have felt like you know if you don't post something on social media it didn't happen right it would be that okay if i couldn't track my workout it never happened i hey man i i i kind of feel you because i identify in a lot of different ways but i don't know why the apple watch didn't work for me i i've bought it multiple really? times yeah i have i have like whatever the newest <laughs> one is um i've bought it multiple times and i've always thought like this is the one and then i one, I'm I just love watches too much. Like, and I've you know invested mm-hmm. a lot in the watches that I truly love, um, that you know yeah. make me happy. And the other thing is, yeah, I just I don't know why, but I'm a I'm a big screen guy. Like, even one of the things that's kept me away from Max for so long is I like a 27 inch monitor. Like, I I like to edit, and like mm-hmm. when the iMac comes out, it's always like a 23, and I'm like, I don't get it. Like. How are you editing videos on this thing? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a Game Boy. Yeah. Um, and then so with the mm-hmm. watch, I, I it's like my big fat fingers. I'm like, I I don't know what's going on here. There's a million little icons and apps, and it's it it's the one tech product that makes me feel old. Like virtual reality doesn't yeah, make me feel old. I get it. Augmented reality, mm-hmm. I'm all about it. Apple Watch, I'm like, okay, I'm a yeah. thousand. I was friends with Jesus. Like it's <laughs> it's just, but I know what you mean. I'm the same. To be honest, I only use it when I work out. That is literally the only reason why I use. I just realized we're live in the Patreon page. We there, are. There we go. What's Brett up, Brett? How you doing, in. mate? Um, Good to see you, Brett. But yeah, the, I only use the Apple Watch when I'm working out, mate. Jim, Jim, there we go. Everyone's in the chat today, mate. But yeah, Apple Watch for working oh. out and that's about <laughs> it, mate. Mike, every, everyone's here. There I know. I, I thought... <laughs> I thought when you said, you know, just working out and Jim. And I was like, oh, he's excited about the gym. You meant Jim <laughs> Hendigas. Got it. I did mean Jim, mate. Yeah, I did. But, mate, how I was your you meant- flight back? Did you sit next to anyone picking their feet or in- or doing anything rough? No feet pickers. Um, Amazing. I had I had an old lady coffer. Um, and normally, old lady coughing makes sense. Mm-hmm. Post-COVID, man, like sitting right next to somebody. And she wasn't a full... Like she had a cough coming onto the plane. It wasn't like just something went down the wrong pipe and she's like, oh, excuse me, sir. It wasn't that chick had a cough coming into the flight. So I think from everything we've learned over the course of COVID, like just just wear a mask, even if it's not mandated. We're kind of used to masks now. And and you know what? Cough all you want in that thing. Yeah, dude. Love it. Love it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I wasn't. I wasn't going to go into a COVID rant then. I just, I just, I was just going to say, when you're that close to people on a plane, I, I rate the masks. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to breathe, be breathing in your sleepy breath, mate. Totally. Do you know what I mean? And and and, and it was like a, I don't want to gross people out, but it was a, it was a legit cough with like some stuff happening. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so she was next to me, and then here was the weird thing. So imagine uh, this was whatever the upgrade from economy is. So premium economy. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. There was no business class. I had my points. I got to the desk. I was like, what's up? How you doing? And like literally like <laughs> dropping a full house at a card game. I was like, what do you know about 100,000 points? And she was like, uh, I know nothing. We don't take points here. And I was like, oh, okay, do you have business class? She said, yeah, we could do business for $500. Now, to anyone that doesn't travel That's internationally, good. that probably sounds insane. To someone that travels, 500 is free. That's free business class. Um, and business class, you get your own little cocoon. Everything is beautiful. So I said, yeah, let's do it. Um, and then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. We're all sold out. It was fine. No big deal. Premium economy. Great. Um, but in premium economy, you get a bigger seat. Everything's good. Yeah. You get tons of leg room and you can stand up because there's like a wall in front of you instead of another row of seats. So you can just stand up, uh-huh. do some uh, Gary Brecca, you know, squats. By the way, I did that. We'll talk about I, that in I, a second. I knew you would. <laughs> I knew you would get straight into <laughs> I that. I totally did. I did exactly what he said. So we'll talk about that in a second. But so it's, we've got a row of four seats on the aisle is cough lady. Like I said, she's somewhere between 100 and 190 years old. Then next to her is me. Then an empty seat. Then her husband on the next aisle seat. So her and her husband are bookending things. So I said, sir, would would you like to sit next to your wife? Thinking, I'll take his aisle seat. He sits next to her. There's a seat in between us. It's a gap. Everyone wins. And he goes, no, thank you. And I was like, oh, well, I mean... If you if you want, it's no big deal. I don't mind sitting on the aisle. You can sit right next to your wife. He's like, that's quite all right. And he was very posh, very British. And I said, Brilliant. okay. So then for the rest of the flight, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm bitching just a bitch. It was totally fine. But the whole time they're eating, she's leaning past me to talk to him. And uh, she's like, she's like, the risotto is very nice. And I'm like, I'm like, man. why don't you guys just sit next to each other? So anyways. No, I- Enough of my horrible British accent. She was uh, she was a delight other than the cough and uh, trying to reach over me to like pass her husband some salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flight was good. Got home. And like I told you, man, coming from there to here, it's just a five hour energy shot straight to your bloodstream. Like zero mm-hmm. jet lag. Let's go, go, go. I'm up at 4 a.m. on the dot and I'm ready to go until 8 p.m. So it's good stuff. Mate, I love that, man. Yeah, coming, coming. Coming to you from England is fine. I feel like it's it's it's, it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mate, I'm 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 the same, mate. On a plane, I want to, I want to get to the point where money is zero issue, right? For one reason and one reason only, just so I can avoid public transport. Do you know what I mean? Just be like, mm. I've got my yeah. own jet. I don't worry about it. You know, I don't have to sit next it's to fine. a geezer picking his feet or some woman are putting off. I've had so many feet situations on a plane, mate. It's just getting to the point where I'm like, look, I just need to seriously knuckle down and make some serious cash. So I'll never have to be in that predicament again. Um, I got to say on mate, the way there, oh, yeah. real quick, on the way there, a foot mm-hmm. situation happened, but it was a positive foot situation, which I don't <laughs> even know if that's a thing, but it was. So I, I told you I was sitting next to a very non-ugly woman. Um, that's the best I can say it without getting in trouble at home with Amber. This woman was extremely not ugly. And I told you, I, I was kind of like, man, that that sucks. I can't like, I'm not going to like sleep with my mouth open and drool on myself next to this like supermodel. Yeah. So I was like, Egh. but when it was time to sleep, she went full mask and took her shoes off, but put them politely there and she had great socks. So it gave me the freedom to take off my shoes because she did it first. <laughs> So I was like, right nice. on. And so when she woke up, I literally said, hey, thanks for taking your shoes off first because it kind of allowed me. I, like, 
And the only quirk that my body has, my body is exactly the same as every human on the planet, except for my feet have never smelled ever. My socks Even. never smell. My shoes never smell. I don't know what it is. I avoided Even it. Do I, mate? It's a, it's a blessing, mate. It's one of those things that we're just born with it, mate, because I just, I can't, I think, do you change your shoes quite a lot though? Do you know what I mean? You do, you do. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. I think that's a big, big thing. Yeah. And and yeah, and like even if I go to the gym and I sweat in those shoes, I'm I'm immediately changing socks and shoes for the rest of the day. But you know, it's just one of those things. I didn't I wasn't able to avoid the the whole asparagus pee thing. I don't understand that at all. But no, I don't because <laughs> that's a gene thing. Like you do you have it? Does your <laughs> Does your I, pee I, smell when you when okay. you eat asparagus? So, so <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, right? We this is not here what we, we spoke about in go. these in these live podcast events, right? We 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 spoke about some life changing. Uh, mate, Jim in the chat right. just said, "How did we get here?" I don't know how we got here. I don't mate. know. You should listen to the conversations we have in the van, mate, or in my car. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I um I sorry, my phone's going off. This is all going. The life situation is throwing me off. Um, right? Yeah, I do get it. If I eat asparagus, okay, it's okay. like, yeah, it's I, game know over. It. I know about it. You yeah. know, what's funny is I'm 40 something years old. I'm either 45 or 46. I just had a birthday. I cannot remember which one I am. Let's go with 46 because no one ever gets younger. But I forget about it every time. Yeah. Every time I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, that's right. This is a thing that's happened since I was two. Why is this news to me? All right, let's move into things. Everyone, welcome to Drum with Mike and Eddie. As you can tell, this is the most serious drumming podcast out there. Bring it on, other drumming podcasts. No one talks more drums than we do. We are getting into the real stuff today. So at the end, I want to recap our little podcast run because we definitely need to give some shout outs to Graham Russell and to Drummers Only. Mm-hmm. Drummers Only in Glasgow, Graham Russell in Ferrum, and both were incredible events. We'll kind of recap that at the end, but let's get into our main topic, which is basically, hey man, how do you... And it just stops there. And the the reason why I came up with this is because there were a few things that when you and I were on our drives, you would casually mention something. And I honestly didn't have, I don't know why, but I wasn't able to just ask, hey, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And then it happened again. I went to your, your studio and we'll get into my first question for you. But we went to your studio and something happened there where I was like, I, how do you do that? And it's kind of weird. Like we're in this dynamic with our friendship and with our profession that we try to, even though you and I are fully vulnerable in front of each other, we still try to pretend like I've got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And so to ask you like, so when you do something amazing, I mean, we were live streaming on Instagram, you did something on the kit and I have no problem saying, what was that thing you just did? Cause it was Mm -hmm. amazing. Basically what happened is there were moments where you put butter on toast and I felt like asking, how did you do that? And I'm like, I should know how to put butter on toast. Yeah. But so that's how basic this stuff is. So we're going to get into the first one. So basically the whole concept of this podcast and this episode is I get to ask you two questions. No holds barred. No secrets. Tell me how you do this and you get to do the same. Okay, perfect. I feel like my questions to you are so much better um, because my answers to yours not better. That's not what I meant. What I meant was your your answers are going to be so much more in depth. I'm going to just say, well, you'll see what I'll say. <laughs> you'll just do it. Okay. Um, and, and heads up to, to our listeners and to the people watching live. We did actually send each other the questions ahead of time because 
there are things where I was like, dude, you might ask me something and I honestly might not know how I did it. Like yeah. a lot of stuff with streaming. I've been streaming since 2008. So a lot of times it's like, well, what service to use? I'm like, frick, I don't know, man. Yeah, like yeah. I signed up for it when it was $8 a month. I don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> so, all right, let's get into it. My first question for you is referencing the studio. So I finally got to go to your studio that you're in right now. Uh, it was for anyone that hears Eddie talk about it's a shipping container. Stop it. The dude lives in like the most idyllic town ever. And then it's on this gorgeous farm. Yes, it is a shipping container. But once you walk in, you're transported to another time and place. And it is freaking awesome. And I will say this, your shipping container, maybe because of what it's built out of, maybe because of how small it is, sounds a thousand times better than my studio. Like, your shipping container sounds so good. Like when you play the drums, they're truly enjoyable to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Appreciate that. So speaking of that, at some point you said, hey, man, take these non-custom molded in-ears, throw them in and see what it sounds like through the mics. I did so. What I was shocked about was I looked over. You were, Are you running Logic or Pro Tools? <laughs> yeah, Logic. Mm-hmm. So you're running Logic and there's no latency. I'm hearing it like it's just straight from the board, but you're run. I can tell that you're running effects. So... My first question to you is, how do you run your mics through a DAW back to your headphones and not have latency? So it's this is something that I actually never really like f- purposely did. Like I just, I've always used stock plugins, always. Like I've never okay. bought any packs or like, you know, when your mate has like the the pack, the dodgy pack, right. that he's, it's got everything in it yeah, yeah. and he, pay, got and it he didn't pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Straight down, straight off line wire. I've only ever used um, sort of, yeah, stock plugins. And to be honest, as much as my mixes do sound like kind of heavily tweaked with, they're not. there's not really much going on. It's just EQ, compression, a bit of reverb. And that's pretty much it, really. So stock yeah. plugins makes a big, big, big difference. Um, and I also reached out to um, two of my mates who have one made me the new template that you heard. And an okay. old friend who's made me another template in the past. And I just said, how would you do it? Like, what is the correct term? Because all I know is to use stock plugins. And if you do have a plugin, make sure it's just got a low CPU so it doesn't eat up too much speed and memory. Have right. a good Mac. Make sure that's, imp- you know, that's, or a good computer. That's obviously important. Um, but just don't go overboard. The minute you start adding and, and adding these big, big, big plugins, it just slows the whole thing down. Also, adding things onto like a master bus, that's where stuff gets laggy. Ah, okay. Basically. So like I don't it's affecting bus. all of the channels, so it's taking up more information. Yeah, exactly. I don't bus anything. I think in this new mix, actually, there might be a little bus with the toms or something. I'll have a look in a sec. But yeah, I, I've never bust anything. I just try to do the bare minimal, basically. Um, but one of my mates, what he actually said, which is something that I didn't, I didn't know before, he said, always monitor through your interface. Um, and this will give you the lowest latency um, over monitoring through Pro Tools or Logic. So I don't know if that makes much sense okay. to you. That kind of doesn't really make much sense to me. But he says always monitor through your interface, not the door you're using, which can be a massive, okay. massive help. Um, so basically going from the headphones out of your interface. Yeah, exactly that. Um, and then the lowest sample rate you can use. Pretty much that. Yeah, the, I think the the sample rate is a big deal. So I I didn't know about the plugins thing. I use I use Slate plugins that one plugin by itself, just the EQ, game over. You're at 99 CPU, yeah. like it's over. 
Um, and I use like a hundred. Uh, so that makes so much sense. So I think I might actually have like a DAW or, or a session that is just stock plugins where I'm just using it to monitor myself. I'm just using it um, to maybe even stream live with those stock plugins and then have the, my separate mix that set up my full bells and whistles mix for my YouTube uh-huh. content and for my yeah. website content. Um, Cause the buffer size does help and I've changed it and I have a very, very powerful computer so I can really use all of the different buffer sizes there are. And I'm able to get it to like the tiniest flam, but it's still a flam. There's still yeah. latency, you know, and, and for anybody and it that doesn't know what it just, it totally does. It's yeah. I mean, because like I see it make contact and then it's like, and I'm like, Kent, what the, f-? so it, it does mess you up if there's any latency. And for those of you that don't know what latency means, think of it as like delay. You hit the drum and a split second later, you hear the drum in your headphones or in your, in your monitors. So when I played on Eddie's kit, there was no latency and that makes tons of sense. Now, now I could just use some stock, like the stock pro tools, EQ, the stock pro tools, compressor, and then a little hint of reverb. And like you said, put nothing on the master bus. And at least I would have a great sound coming through my in-ears or my headphones and, but there'd be no latency. So very yeah. cool. So that's a beautiful, that's what I did, you know, when I left pro tools and I set up logic again and I just had yeah. like a new mix, basically that's all I did, mate. I, just, I think I just had sort of three things on each drum, basically EQ. Actually at that point there was no EQ. It was just compression reverb, um, and that was pretty much it, man. Just some wow. SSL stuff, maybe. But most of the time, it was just stock, just straight up stock stuff. And Well, I got to say, too, like, I can now vouch for you as far as you saying, like, my drums sound heavily processed, but they're really not. That room, that's what I was talking about. That room, those heads, that kit, your tuning, and the way you play, it kind of does sound like that in that room. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, it almost it's has, kinda... like, a gated reverb. Like, you hit the snare, it goes, ka. And I'm like, where did that come from? What was that? <laughs> it it, it was it. it was pretty impressive, man. I had a, I had a blast playing, and I felt like we were kids. Like everything you and I talked about in the podcasts, the live podcast that week. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was talking about. Like you go to your friend's house and you check out their kit. That yeah, it that was exactly what my childhood was. Was being at your shipping container. It was awesome, man. Yeah, I loved it, man. It was so weird you being here, man. It was like <laughs> I realized we your how brother's small gym. it is. <laughs> We're like it's crazy but there's two two people here i'm like oh yeah this is this is a one-man show like this is so small we're like <laughs> tripping over each other and stuff mate yeah, it was amazing yeah. man it was so cool to see someone else play like my kit especially you it's just it's just yeah i loved it mate it was so cool man yeah a little gym session a little little session here it's beautiful something. beautiful something. but yeah apart <laughs> apart from the monitoring through your interface and the stock plugins i'm sure there's a bunch of listeners that actually know way more about this stuff than i do but this has been one of those things where like we talk about all, all the time on this podcast man just do it and see what happens throw some stuff yeah. at the wall and see what sticks and that was basically what i did i didn't really know what i was doing i didn't know i couldn't be bothered to buy any expensive plugins so stock plugins low sure. latency monitor through your interface and, and you should be all good but it definitely gets to the point like someone like craig right i he he must have a mad delay or or, or be able to fix the delay i would say he's, he's probably got, just not hearing what we're hearing you know what I mean? Like he is yeah, just exactly. hearing the raw tracks, like like through mm-hmm. a mixing board. Um, so, and that's why I use what I use. The, the Behringer X32 rack allows me to mix 
inside the interface. So you're not mixing in the DAW. You're mixing actually in the interface itself. So there's mm-hmm. zero latency. And not to mention, you can control the latency. If there's, for some reason, if your cameras are picking it up late, you can kind of say, okay, give it 0.1 seconds of latency or exactly. 10 milliseconds of latency. So I, I love that. But the stock plugins that are inside the Behringer are a little little janky for my taste. I, I, I like mixing in a, in a DAW. So, well, I appreciate yeah. the information. Thanks for telling me how you do that, man. All right, question one, what do you got? So, mate, <clears throat> this is... I've been wanting to know like how you do this process for so long, mate, because one, I film drum lessons and I still film them now. And the one thing that I struggle with is like just being like being efficient. So I I, okay. I procrastinate when it comes to video lessons because I'm like, OK, this this I've, I've, I've done the talking bit. Now it's the playing bit. And then by the time mm. I've done the playing bit, I'll look the, look back at the talking bit. Series series just throwing me off. Um, by the time I've gone back to editing the talking bit, I I want to do it again. I'm just like, oh, this is just so inefficient. I don't know how Mike films a course in a day. Like you've always said that. I've just yeah. filmed a new course for the website today. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like in my head, when you say that, I'm picturing like one Pro Tools or Logic session, whatever. And you're going in and you're somehow recording all the audio into one session um, and then I think, no, surely that can't be how he does it. Is he just really quick at going in and like recording the playing parts and then coming back out and doing the talking part? Like, I want to know, and I'm sure many of the listeners do, how do you record like a course? How how, how sure. do you do it? Like literally, what is the process from start to finish? I know people have got their notebooks All right. Right out right now going, here we go, a bit of mic, <laughs> bit of mic gold, but genuinely not even a way, in, in a way where I kind of want to imitate. And I'm sure most people don't want to imitate who listens to this podcast, but it's just interesting. Like yeah. time wise, how do you get a course done in a day? Sure. So it's, you know, I was thinking this morning, if anyone DM'd me that question, I'd block them for life. <laughs> but somehow in a podcast, it's like, Oh, I'm happy to talk about it. It's so weird. One-on-one, I'd be like, are you out of your mind? I'm not telling you what I do. But in a podcast situation, it's like, yeah, like let I, I'm I'm over protecting this kind of information. Yeah. And I think it I think it is so much more normal. The key to all of this is yourself for sure. You have to find the fastest way to be productive possible. Um, I can tell you this after doing it for I don't know what it's been now, like over 15 years. The whole reason I have to now separate drum camp season versus filming season is I still make rookie mistakes if I'm not in the groove. Um, it just happened yesterday. I was filming my vlog for YouTube and I, for some stupid reason, the I don't know if you saw the video, but there's like a little um, little montage of me setting up my kit. Yeah. Um, what's a time lapse? There's a time mm-hmm. lapse. For some stupid reason, I just I took that. You can make a time lapse really easy by telling Premiere, hey, all of these 270 photos, because you put your camera on it in a velometer, it takes a picture every three seconds. You take these 270 photos and you literally tell Premiere, make a time lapse. And it just does. That's it. You don't have to like drag 270 photos into Premiere. Anyways, for some weird reason, I did that off of the SD card instead of taking all of that information and putting it onto my desktop or onto an external hard drive. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the day, I hadn't finished the YouTube video yet, but I was like, oh man, that SD card's a little full. Deleted it, went back to Premiere, 
time lapse gone. Uh. Uh, and so I still make rookie mistakes when I'm not in the groove because I'm just spread too thin sometimes. So that being said, let's say that I'm in the groove and I'm doing a course. This is how it would go. So a course for me is six lessons. Uh, each lesson is approximately between seven to 10 minutes long. So we're looking at about basically like a short DVD, like a 70 minute DVD mm-hmm. from back in the day. So the first thing I have to do is figure out exactly what I'm going to film. So all of that starts in like Microsoft Word or a note taking app of some sort. And I just think about where are we starting? Where are we ending? And what are the steps to get from start to end? So if I know if I know what the end result is, let's say it's a an independence course and the end result is to have independence over the Samba, then I just think, well, then where do we start with that? And so I have starting and ending, and then I break that up into six individual pieces, and we just graduate from one lesson to the next. So first I write the whole thing out, like the names, single strokes over the Samba, lesson two, double strokes over the Samba, lesson three, paradiddles over the Samba, lesson four, ride cymbal variations over the Samba, lesson five, ride cymbal variations with snare drum grid over the Samba, lesson six, heat check, improvise over the Samba. So now we've got this course set out. So it starts there. Then I go into Groove Scribe. I do all of the notation for everything. So that's done. I can press the space bar and hear it and go, yeah, that's exactly it. And that's how I can then, I don't ever get on the kit and wonder, what am I supposed to do? I know note for note what I'm supposed to do. So Mm -hmm. I do all of that. Then after that, uh, I basically start to film. So usually a course is three cameras. I don't go full like YouTube five cameras. I usually go three cameras. Um, I do exactly what you said. I open Pro Tools. I press record. I go out to the three cameras that now have memory cards in them. I press record on all three. I literally say out loud, recording on one, recording on two, recording on three, just so I can hear myself say it. I can see that all of the tally lights, which are the red recording lights on the cameras are on. And then I go to the snare drum. I hit the snare drum really slow three times in a row. And that gives me an audio sync place, just like in the movies where they go, action. That gives me my audio sync. So I'm done. I film all of lesson one all at once. I get up from the kit. And so the one thing that's different for me is speaking to the camera and playing is the same camera angle. Right. So my talking parts are on the kit. It's a little bit easier than what you do because you kind of have like almost like this podcast setup. you have your talking area and your playing area. It's Mm -hmm. the same for me. I do wear a lav mic. So just a little lapel mic. And that's connected to a pedal, like an on and off switch by my hi-hat. So I never have to go in and edit out my vocal mic during the time that I'm playing. I turn it on and off. So that's really efficient. Um, So yeah, then I take all the memory cards out. I transfer all the footage. I put all of that into Adobe Premiere and I edit the first lesson. And, And I don't edit the whole course. I just edit lesson one to find out how is my lighting? Is anything wrong with this? If nothing's wrong with it, I don't have to make any changes and I go film lesson two, lesson three, lesson four, lesson five and lesson six. If something's wrong with it, I don't want to film six lessons and find out I was way overexposed on the side camera the whole time. So I edit lesson one and then I'm totally and I and I render it and it's all done. And then I go out and film lessons two, three, four, five and six. And each one takes probably double the time that the video will be as far as the amount of mess ups I have. So if a lesson's going to be seven minutes, it takes me 14 minutes to film it. Um, the thing that takes the longest, honestly, is transferring the footage because it's all in 4K and I have to move it from the SD card over to um, the the computer. And the one thing I have learned over time is I have 
128 gig SD cards that run on the Sony cinema cameras. Uh And I don't delete the footage anymore after I've transferred it. So that way, in case I get in to go edit and I'm like, oh, my God, where's lesson four overhead? Um, Then it's still on a card somewhere. So then I just delete the cards once I've got all the footage. And then, yeah, so basically in reality, I can film a course in a day but I have to edit the course in the second day. I can't get the whole thing done in one day. The editing takes longer than the filming. So, um, yeah. So when, when you're playing, do you ever, like for me, that's what I was, I got in my head about so much when I was recording the playing parts for lessons because you can either go down to two rows, like have it perfect because you want you want to show people what it should be and what they're, they're practicing to get to. <clears throat> but then no one's perfect. So you could go down the other route of like, right. Well, if I make a mistake, it just shows that we're, we're we're all doing this together. We're all in this together and whatever. But then it's it's balancing those two things. I always yeah. just go, oh, this isn't good enough. Keep on going, keep on going. And that's where the time for a lesson just gets ridiculous for me because I'm like, I've, I've played for yeah. 20 minutes now for, a t- for like well, a 30 second But clip. our education is so different. Like your education is so conceptually based. So you're kind of showing a concept. So there's so much, so much room for you to almost improvise the thing because you're just showing a concept. My education is so specific that it's, it's literally right and wrong. And I will just, I mean, just to be fully transparent, I will train for a week straight before every course. So I never get to the kit and I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of know it. It's like, dude, I've been working on this so that I could be efficient when filming. Uh Um, You know, there's hand speed courses that I film for the site right now that are 10 to 15 BPM beyond my normal hand speed. I physically am not fast enough to film this. So I have to get ready for that over the course of a week and get my hands back up to speed or some of the independent stuff. I'm like, God, I, I was teaching that when I was 19. I haven't played that forever. And I have to kind of work it back up. And there are times for sure where I've trashed an entire course because I was just hanging on by the, a thread and you can hear it. I'm not totally in line with the click. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll, <laughs> If you ever see a course or a lesson where it's almost all overhead for the playing and side for the playing, that's because my face was going Rip the f- I'm, I was about to cuss. <laughs> my face is losing it because it's so hard for me to play this stuff. So I'm like, okay, this yeah. isn't how I want to teach it. I need to be relaxed. So yeah, a lot of it is just just comes down to like I do prep for these lessons for like a week before I ever press record. That's amazing, mate. I love that. I love that. So basically, I've been doing it. I've been doing it so wrong, mate. I do, well, the one thing for me that I I I. I the one thing that stops me shooting as many lessons as I want to is the whole talking and playing things are two different angles and two different setups. It's like, I don't, I physically don't have the room to really make it look good when I'm sat on the kit talking. It's well, I mean, you've been here now, you know what it's like. So I have to do the two setup thing, but that it's like editing a flipping film, like (laughs) every time. And that, and that's what my, that's what a YouTube video is like for me. Like I can do a course in a day, which is six lessons for the website, or I can do a YouTube lesson in a day. And it takes an entire day because I might be sitting at the front of the stage. Like in that vlog, I'm sitting at the front of the stage. Well, I have to move all my lights. I have to now light the background because I'm not on the kit. Um, I have to change all my tripods, get, you know, grab a new lens. It's a whole thing just mm-hmm. to get that little talking bit. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I can totally see why it would be much harder for you to do it because you're not talking from the kit. 
where for me, all my cameras, especially when I'm in filming mode, they're all on sticks, uh, what the cool kids call a tripod. And they're, it, I just walk in, press record, and I'm good to go. As soon as I have to start moving or things. I mean, I've literally, you know, I spent an extra, with lens, an extra five grand to have this Sony FX3 in this room so that I didn't have to bring a camera into this room every time I did student reviews or talked to the camera from here. So this camera oh, yeah. just stays in here all day. Yeah. But I sit down and just go for it. So, Amazing. all right. On to my second question for you, because I have Shoot. to know this, and it's I've wanted to know forever. I've never <laughs> DM'd anyone. I'm too nervous to ask because I really feel like it is asking, so how do you put butter on toast? And you're like, well, you get a knife, you dip it in the butter, and you spread it on the freaking toast, bro. Um, I don't understand how there is text of what you're saying on an Instagram video, whether it's Instagram or TikTok. I don't understand where that comes from. Is that in Instagram or is that done in post-production in like Adobe Premiere? You can can do it. Do you not want to tell people? This feels so weird, like giving you some insight into something that like, you know, fuck it. It's always me asking you like, like, mate, how how do I do this? (laughs) Seriously, how do I do this? Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm telling you, dude, you cannot ask. I asked YouTube how to do this many moons ago. And I don't know how to phrase it. Everything that came up was like transcriptions in Premiere. I'm like, no, I know. no, I do that. I don't understand how it shows up on the screen in real time with your speaking. Yeah. So give it to me. Yet again, mate. I can't really take credit for any of this stuff. I feel like this is what I said at the beginning. Like my answers are going to be so like, oh, is is that it? Cool. Yeah. It's not like a method. It's that's not fine. like this thing that I do that's different to everyone else. And that's why it works and blah, blah, blah. So basically, yeah. So captions, like live captions when you're when you're talking, you can do that in TikTok and on, on Instagram now. Instagram sort of added really? that to like compete with TikTok. But the only problem is, and the, well, the problem that I've had with it for so long is that like you're limited to how unique and original you can be. Do you know what I mean? You're limited to fonts. Okay. You're limited to sizes. And uh, and yeah, so the way I do it, so what Mike's talking about is like, like specifically the Paragon videos of like me or my other, other business partner, Luke, sitting down and talking about stuff and there's captions popping up and it's in a really nice VHS font with a bit of tape behind it and it looks cool. And it is literally in Premiere Pro, you open up captions and then you click transcript and it basically does it all for you now if you're a fast englishman like me who basically mumbles and talks about 50 million miles an hour you're taught you're probably talking 60 percent of what you say 70 percent maybe that is picked up and all you need to do is basically go in double click the words that they've even misspelled or didn't get let's say you say bath and it changes it to like, I don't know, farce. You just go in, change it, and it does it all for you. It is honestly the easiest thing in the world. Um, and yeah, it does but, it. Okay, basically. so then, so you've done that, and then what happens from there? Do you does it give you something to like put on top of the video? Like, how so does that, it show up on the video? So, like, basically, you've got within this captions and and text tab, you've got trans transcribe transcribe. And then create okay. captions. Once you've corrected all your words and all that kind of stuff, hit create captions and boom, it's in your timeline and it's all lined up with the okay. audio. Now, if there's anything oh. that like isn't perfectly lined up, each sentence you can move or drag or extend or pull back. It's so easy, mate. Okay. It does it all for you. Basically. And then you have the ability in there in Premiere to change the font or the sizing. 
Yeah, you change the size, you change the font, you change like where you want it on the screen. You can basically change like what you want on each line as well. Let's say you've got a busy sentence and like there's too much wording and it's really thick as opposed to the lines before. You can just take some words away and add a new sentence. It's so easy, man. So like Premiere Pro, their latest update with captions is like a game changer because that's the thing, mate. I I always saw this on, on, on Reels and TikToks and stuff and I thought captions are good. They do, they do keep you like i read them and i hate reading i despise reading well yeah but i mean especially when i'm in public and i can't have the audio on like yeah i can literally just read what you're saying and i i get it like yeah. i know that there's some new lilac you know low dunks that came out today and and like that you have in stock and yeah i don't i don't remember what you called purple did you call it lilac what did you guys call it yeah it's lilac yeah <laughs> okay yeah yeah so I, you know, I know that stuff. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's something I've always wondered about. And I, I definitely knew that there was some sort of integrated version of it, whether it be, you know, I saw it really the first place I saw it all the time was TikTok videos that were posted to Instagram. So I knew it was happening in TikTok, but it was always the same font, always the same vibe. And I was like, man, I just would like to have more control over it. Um, and like you said, especially sometimes, I I might say a paragraph, but I only want one sentence to be kind of, you know, this thing mm-hmm. that stands out. So I'm I'm gonna dig into the old Premiere Mate, world and it's, check it's it out. amazing, man. It's amazing. And like for like Breckler in the old live chat right now saying that he gets thirty percent more views on all of his videos with captions. So it does help me. It does help massively. Um yeah. But yeah, like yeah, I said, mate, I can't take credit for anything. It's Premiere being it's Adobe being the flipping the best best software in the world mate it's a game changer but also i like i said mate i love how you could you can have creative control and that's that's the important thing for me just having it look a little bit different have your fonts that you want to use and just be a little bit a little bit more sort of creative with it but yeah that's literally it mate love it all right question two what do you got Okay, so uh, another question that I think the notepads are going to come out for, mate. I love this. Um, so we were talking on the road um, as we're touring podcasters now, mate. No big deal. Do you know what I mean? No big deal. Just what we just, do. Just selling out drum shops all across the country, people. Um, so basically, joking aside, we were talking about like signature products and we were speaking about it on, yeah. on uh, over voice notes yesterday. And I kind of know but I also don't know like what it takes to truly get a signature product when it comes to endorsement mm. endorsements. Um, and I think a lot of people would be interested to know what is the process behind like get one having a company say, look, we want to make you a signature product or is it the other way around you approach them? And then what is the process like? And then, and then another question on top of that, sorry for the three part question here, but how do you, how do you keep that going? How do you like give a signature product longevity? Yeah, great question. Well, so as far as how to get a signature product from a company that you're endorsed by, I can only speak on my experiences. I mean, I've never gone to, uh, so I have Vic Firth sticks. I have a, a snare with Gretsch and a, and then a ride with Meinl and a cowbell with Meinl. I've never gone to any of the companies and been like, I kind of feel like it's time for a signature snare. You know, okay. it's like, Okay. That would just be the most cringe thing ever. I've never done that. Okay. So generally for me, it has always started with the the company themselves missing something in their general lineup. 
So I could not find the ride that I wanted in Meinl. So my first real signature product was the transition ride. Um, and I could not find what I wanted and I kept trying and I kept trying. Um, and so I was having, there was an extra dry ride that was the closest. And I would literally tell my rep, Chris Brewer, just go, go into the warehouse and pick out the washiest ones you could find. And even those weren't washy enough. So he's like, oh, dude, try our 20 inch jazz ride. And I was like, dude, this isn't a ride. This is a crash. So I couldn't find anything in between. Right. So at that point, all they're trying to do is prototype something to basically shut me up. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. fine. Here, take this. I'm sorry that we make 96 rides and you don't like any of them. Um, so that's kind of how it starts. And then I think, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think what they do when they prototype something for somebody is they're just waiting for the questions to start rolling in. How can I get that ride that Mike Johnston uses? How can I get this? How can I get that? If that happens, that kind of triggers, ooh, we, we have some possible sales here. I mean, keep in mind, all of these companies are there as businesses. They're trying to make money. So mm-hmm. when they prototyped my first ride, I was good. We're done. I'm happy. And then it was like, you know, eventually they contact me and say, I think we're going to have to put this thing into production. We're getting enough emails and calls about it. And the stores are getting asked about it. So then it was like, okay, so, so then a whole new process starts because the ride that I was happy with looked exactly like the current rides they had. So there's nothing visually to make it stand out. And I'm not okay with that. Like visually it has to, you have to know that's the transition ride for sure. You know, with Benny's sand ride, it's obvious. You see it and you're like, oh yeah, it's a sand blasted ride, Benny Greb. And that puts everyone on notice at Zildjian, at uh, Peisty, at Sabian, like you can't sand blast your symbols. Like Benny yeah. did it. It's it's there. So I, I needed something visually that made it stand apart. So we start prototyping, go through the whole process. Basically, the prototyping process can be extremely intense where you're literally saying uh, this ride symbol has too much, you know, 500 hertz in it. We need to carve out some of that mid-range hum. And they have to do that back at the factory um, in Turkey and then do a little bit more of it in Germany when they lathe it and everything. Or it's as simple as, you know, it's more simple, like it needs to be more pingy. So you go through the prototyping process. Uh, we tried a bunch of 20s and we just couldn't do it. We tried a 22. It was too much. And so we settled on a 21. So the biggest thing that we went through, we got the lathing right. We got the bell right. We got the weight, the thickness. We just couldn't get the size right. 20, 22, 20, 22. They didn't have any 21s in their lineup. And I was like, ah, the 20 is like too pingy. And mm-hmm. the 22 is just moving too much air. So we went to a 21. So that was the process. Then you have your release um, and it's kind of tentative. Like the company wants to push it, but they don't want it to flop and look bad on them. So they're kind of like, well, we'll just see what it does. Uh, I will say Minel gave me tons of push on the ride. But as the artist, if it flops, it's game over. Like straight away. And they just made it to a piece. Game over. Yeah. Because the way it works, it like customers are not buying this symbol, no matter what anyone thinks stores are buying the symbol they carry it and then customers buy it so you're not trying to sell the ride to people you're trying to sell the ride to stores but the only way to get stores to carry it is to get people to go into the stores and ask for it so it's this weird thing Mm -hmm. where you're trying to get um tomon over there in the uk you're trying to get tomon to order a hundred of them and then you're trying to get you know a big box store like guitar center over here to carry one per store that might be 200 rides total in the country because each store, there's 200 stores or more. Um, and then trying to get 
you're lo- you're the ones that are a little closer to you, like where you and I did our clinic uh, at Bentley's Drum Shop. Like, yeah. would they carry thirty of them? You know, thirty rides at four hundred dollars a pop, it adds up. So yeah. the problem though happens when Bentley's Drum Shop does put that trust in me. They carry thirty and they sit there. Then you're oh, don't mate that 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 makes me feel so anxious. Oh. That's like, dude, oh. that's like putting on. Of like it's like signing to a major label, putting on your first big like London show, yes. and then going, okay, cool. Tickets have been up for like a good few hours. How many have we done? None. Okay, yeah, we might have to. Sure, that that can't we, be right. Yeah, mom, we might have to did you get a ticket? Here. You, mom, you didn't get a ticket. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that, that gives me anxiety. So that is like the fear, and so it's really the second order. The second run of them is when things either take off or it's like, well, we're, we're just done. We don't need to make it anymore. Everyone that needed it has it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the process. If you want to keep the thing going strong, my biggest advice for anyone making a signature product is make it general. You know, my ride was made to appease a lot of people compared to like, say, um, uh, Derek Roddy's serpent ride, which is an amazing ride symbol for one very specific thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, there's fewer people that need that in their lives than someone that needs a great general ride symbol. My snare drum, it's literally called the standard. It's like, dude, standard model. This is this is no big deal. It just does its job. My drumsticks, I'm an average size person. So I would say most of my signature products, my snare drum is the top sell- selling snare drum in the history of Gretsch for the time it's been out. That's just because it's a normal Probably. snare drum. If it, if it was a 12 by nine inner babinga, outer oak, middle <laughs> Moranti, like I would sell three of them. So like, it's not my name that's doing it. It's it's the fact I don't even know what Moranti is. I don't know if that's wood or a, a drink, but <laughs> <clears throat> that's that's kind of how it all works. All right. So, so I'm on low battery power on my laptop. OK. Did you have something? I, I, I did, but yeah, I, I could talk about this endorsement stuff all day long, mate. I just, I love it. I had a million questions in there, but I don't know if we, if, you, if you're on low battery life, mate, we can save it for next week. Okay, so we will save it for next week. How about we do part two of this next week? Because I would love to get into it yeah. more, especially like, I think that second part, how do you make sure there's longevity? And then how is the, how are these products tied to your personal legacy? Like I said, one of these products that goes bad for me then the next companies will be like well your snare didn't sell well so no you don't we're not going to do a cowbell for you or whatever it is yeah um or exactly. my sticks with vic firth you know and then i mean you know the the secret to the sauce the real secret get your notebooks out people the real secret is keep your freaking name off of the product Mate, i was gonna that no was one, one of my questions to- <laughs> i was gonna say was that a conscious thing or was that something that you just did because you felt like it would be better for the products or whatever but i mean i've got a million questions about all this kind of signature stuff because i'm going through well i'm not going through anything really but i a stick for me right you are yeah yeah i know what's going on yeah yeah the stick for me like my perfect stick is the 5b shirakashi oak by promark wood tip i wouldn't change a thing so when promark say let's do something cool i'm like well you already make the coolest product in my eyes so how how can i make this different when my signature stick if I were to make one exist and you can buy it on every single shelf in a drum shop. Um, so it's, uh, for me, I'm like, damn, because I just can't let my ego get in the way and build something that I don't need just to say I've got a signature I'm in product. the same boat with my hi-hats. I mean, you got to play my my signature hi-hats because they're called the 15-inch Jazz Thin Hats. That's what I prototyped with Minol. 
But by the time that we had finished prototyping, they had come out with the 15-inch Foundry Reserves. And I was like, I don't want to do signature hi-hats now. These are the best hi-hats I've ever played. This is all I want to play. I always, if I can find something in the current lineup, I always want to play that over a signature product every mm-hmm. time. Um, the royalties aren't enough. We can talk about royalties in the next episode so people Amazing. know what the reality of this stuff is. I have no yeah. problem Safe. with you know letting that stuff out. So, okay. Oh, to yeah. wrap this up before my laptop dies, to everyone that came out to either Glasgow, which was drummers only, or came out to Ferrum, which was Graham Russell drums, holy hell, magical evenings. You guys all were amazing. It's it's just insane. It blows me in any way. It does, mate. I can't believe it, mate. Like I said in the second, oh, I think I said it both nights. The fact people listen to me and you talk about the drums and this industry and everything on it and everything off it is is crazy enough to me. But like coming to see us do it live and just just be around other drummers just says it all, mate. It's it's just amazing, man. So thank you for listening to this podcast and thank you so much for making the effort and coming down and spending your hard earned money on listening to us and all the other drummers in the room talk about drums. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's it, the the future's bright, mate, for this podcast. I feel like we've already been speaking about what we're going to do next and how we're going to level it up and and also just make it more enjoyable and more special for you guys. You know what I mean? It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing, mate. So Absolutely. next week, I've got a million questions about this signature product stuff because, like I said, mate, I think uh, I just think people would flipping love to hear it, mate. And also next week we're gonna have something to talk about my end as well which me and you have been speaking Come about. Come on. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> you know and I, I mean? know it's going to be, be crazy. Um, I know so, yeah. everything. People are going to flip out. People are going to flip out when they, uh, oh, so, and, when yeah, they, mate. Whoop, also, and then when it's like on their phone and, oh, hey. I know, mate, it's going to, it's going to be crazy. So yeah, I can't wait. And um, by the time next week comes around, I'm going to buy new headphones because I've been putting on a brave face, mate. But I can, I can hear like you I can't even describe how little I can hear you right now. Really? I'm, I'm being a professional podcaster, mate, and game-facing it all the way from start to finish. I, you're like a little mouse in my ear at the minute, mate. So news for me tomorrow, new headphones, and then more talk about Mike selling the most... What is it? The best-selling snare drum? Gretsch, I've done? I have no idea. I, after it, Literally after it came out of my mouth, I felt like, do you guys have any idea how sick I am? I was like, why did you say that? You're such a douchebag. You, you, tr- you, you can't hide the facts. Do you know what I mean? I, and like I said, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the fact that it is a good snare drum. Charlotte you, just got one. I saw her picture. Well, <laughs> everyone, thank you guys so much for joining us. If you would like to support this podcast, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie. Brett, Jim, glad you joined us. Jim, we will get to your question next week. Absolutely. But until then, for now, episode 104 is in the can. Bye-bye. See you later, people in the chat.